do welcome you to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you back to that series. We welcome you back to our study entitled The Gifts of Easter. And uh, we're uh, challenging you to allow this to really prepare your heart for Easter. Easter just a few weeks away. And we're examining some of these items that were a part of the Easter story, examining them uh, along the, the encouragement of Max Lucado, considering them as gifts. And so we started out by looking at uh, the gift of the crown of thorns, and uh, we saw some of the things uh, that we could learn as a result of the crown of thorns. We saw Jesus' humanity, we saw our sinfulness, and then we saw the majesty of Jesus Christ as revealed in that. Then as well, uh, the second time that we were together, we took a look at the nails, nails that were used to nail Jesus Christ to the cross, and uh, we saw that through that, God made us alive in Christ, forgave all of our sins, canceled our debt, and took it away, as Colossians chapter 2 said, nailing it to the cross. So we took a look at what those nails would say and, and uh, the meanings behind some of that. Now, the last two parts of our series, the last two parts of our study, we're going to be examining the cross. And spoiler alert, we're going to be looking at the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. Okay? So don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Easter Sunday, we're examining the empty tomb. All right, so that's where we're going. This morning, we're going to be taking a look here, the, the third part of this study and series. We're going to be looking at a, another gift of Easter called the curtain or the veil. Depending on which version or translation you're reading, we're, we're talking about the curtain that is in the temple, the curtain that's between uh, the holy place and the holy of holies. So the veil, the curtain, as we read about Matthew chapter 27, We'll invite you there. Matthew 27, verse 50 and 51 reads like this. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So the curtain, the veil, that, that separation there, it was torn in two, top all the way to the bottom. So what in the world is this veil or this curtain like? Well, I invite you to turn with me and, and head back into your Bible, head towards the beginning. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, but turn to the second book, the book of Exodus, we see some of the instructions that God gives about the temple, about some of the furnishings of the temple, and we're going to see the instructions that are given here about this, this curtain, about this veil. Exodus chapter 26, we'll be taking a look at verses 31, 2, and 3. Exodus 26, beginning in verse 31. This is God's instructions. He says, make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. This is, this is a pretty fancy kind of veil or curtain. It's got several types, several colors of threads and yarns, finely twisted in pure linens. 
And if that's not all, cherubim would be woven into it by a skilled worker. So this is a very detailed, very specific kind of veil or curtain. Verse 32, hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood, overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. So you're using gold hooks to hang it. The post of acacia wood is covered with gold, and it's standing on four silver bases. This is not some cheap stuff. This is not your average everyday uh, aluminum or alloy or metal or some kind of metal. You're not even sure what it is. We're talking about gold and silver and some precious woods that are used to display and hang this specific curtain or veil. Verse 33, hang the curtain from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant Law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So within the temple, there was the holy place, and then the curtain hangs, and it's the separation from the holy into the most holy place, many times referred to as the holy of holies. So this curtain, this veil, many times when we think about that, we think about uh, sheets, bed sheets, or we think about uh, maybe something that you'd use to hang uh, a window covering or some kind of drape. This is a, a bed sheet, kind of a, a simple, normal bed sheet. And a couple of decades ago, we used a number of these things for a special project. As a youth pastor in Galleon, uh, within the, the first year, uh, we, we formed and did a New Year's Eve all-nighter. Some of the things that you do in, in youth ministry, right? So we had an all-nighter. It was like 8 or 10 or that was probably more like 12 or 14 hours worth all night with young people. By the second year, we kind of changed and revamped some things and... Um, kind of talking together, we had this idea. It seemed outrageous. It seemed crazy. We wanted to make our own homemade movie screen. Our sanctuary is very similar to this, kind of an A-frame, large uh, ceiling and kind of a, a long and narrow. And so I went and I bought nine bed sheets. I did not do the sewing, <laughs> but I had somebody help me and sewed nine bed sheets together. They then sewed a little loop at the top and a loop at the bottom, and we used some metal conduit to slide that in the top and slide that in the bottom to kind of keep that separated. We then rigged up a pulley system. We had exposed beams, and we, we put a couple of hooks on either side and one at the peak with string that would descend, not from heaven, but descend from the ceiling, and we would attach it to the center and to the sides of the conduit, and with one person over here and one person over here, we would then pull the strings together at the same time, which would raise this monstrosity. Nine bed sheets sewn together ended up being about 15 foot tall, so pretty much just about from here up to that projector. That'd be roughly 15 foot. It would be about 25 foot wide, so pretty much would, would cover the width of this platform. 
And then when you're talking about the size of the screen, if you've got a television at home, the size is measured diagonally. If you've got a 40 inch, it's 40 inches diagonally. If you've got 50 inch, it's 50 inches diagonally. This ended up being nearly a 30 foot movie screen. So this was mid to late 1990s. We did not have one of these in our sanctuary, but we had access to one of those. And so we rigged one of those up about halfway back to try to fill up our 30-foot screen, rigged that into the sound system. I think one of the, the first things we played, we played the DC Talk live concert video from VHS cassette through a VCR. And some of the younger ones are going, a what? It's called a what? How we, we might even, I'm not sure if we had a Toy Story or something, but we showed some Christian movies and, and Christian music concerts and everything, and, and we used a sheet like this. Now, I didn't really care about the quality of this sheet. I just needed to have a white background that we could display an image on. So, no doubt, I went out and bought nine of the cheapest, thinnest sheets so they could be sewn together and used. Completely opposite of the curtain or veil that we're looking at this morning. Mine was cheap, flimsy, and it, it was just to, to have some kind of image projected on it. We're taking a look at this story about the curtain or the veil that was torn in two. This was an incredibly well-constructed veil. And when we see that this is torn top to bottom, this is, this is a pretty big part of the story, a pretty big part of this Easter biblical account. So in the balance of our time this morning, I want to share just a handful of things, three things that I believe the gift of the curtain shares with us. What does it mean? First of all, the gift of the curtain means that the barrier was removed. The barrier was removed. For almost 1,500 years, this incredible curtain hung and it separated the holy place from the most holy place, the holy of holies. It was that separation. It was that wall, if you would. It was almost like that keep out sign. Danger. Don't go any further. Stay out. If you've had kids or teenagers or maybe some of you as adults, you ever put a sign on your bedroom door and it says, keep out. Maybe... Maybe it says, you know, wasteland inside, you know, step delicately. You're never, never, never sure what you're going to be stepping on. Keep out. It's almost as if this curtain, this veil, what was that, that sign? But it was large. It was visible that, that kept people out of that holy of holies. It was kind of the roadblock. Nobody was able to go into that most holy place, that holy of holies, uninvited. Now this magnificent piece of linen fabric, taking a look at some of the biblical accounts, we don't see much else described other than what we read in Exodus. There's a number of historians that have written about it, and there's even conflict of scholars and historians as to the accuracy of that. But I'll, I'll share some of what people would say. Some would say 
Some of these historians would say that the width of or thickness of this veil or curtain was a handbreadth, potentially four inches thick. Again, not verified necessarily through Scripture, but some historians have said that. So, in other words, it is not this. It's not thin. It's not flimsy. Uh, We read about the various kinds of fabric and linens, and it would have the the cherubim uh, that would be sewn into that. So, this was tall, about 60 foot tall, about 30 foot wide. It would put even our screen to shame. I mean, this was a massive, massive sheet, curtain, veil. 60 foot tall, about 30 feet wide. Some would say perhaps up to four inches. Others, and this is where some of the dispute would be, some would say it took up to 300 priests to carry. Now, to me, that seems a little high. I mean, 300 individuals. But again, it might not have been 300, but this is not just a curtain or a veil that one person could take and could move around. I mean, even with our simple nine bed sheets strung out, we needed a handful of us to kind of lift and carry and, and put it onto the, uh, the metal conduit and get it raised. I mean, it took a handful of us just to manage that. So something 60 foot by 30 foot that was well-crafted of all these fine linens, no doubt would require multiple people. No doubt it would be incredibly thick and strong. Some would say if you were to tie horses to either end and, and have them separate, that horses or a team of horses would not be able to pull this apart. So it's not thin. It's not flimsy. It is of some thickness and strength and craft. But the function of it... Besides the beauty of it, we read about the kinds of yarn and thread. Besides the beauty, the function was literally to be the barrier. It was to separate that holy place from the most holy place. The most holy place, the holy of holies, was off limits for everybody, priests included, except for one day a year. One day a year, the high priest was able to enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. But he was not to come without something. He was to come with the blood of a sacrifice. Any other time, the entire rest of the year, even the priests, even the high priest were kept out. That barrier, that veil, that curtain was in place. In a sense, it was almost like a double function. It kept sinful people, kept the the sinful individuals, men and women, you and I, it kept the sinful individuals out of that most holy place, that holy of holies. And it was almost representative of of keeping God in his presence there. There was, it seemed like, this barrier between individuals, the sinful man and this pure and holy God. When the priest went in, this wasn't a time to hang out. It was a time to do that duty, to come with the blood of the sacrifice, perform the needed functions, and then once again exit and leave that place. Important work was there. And this curtain, this barrier, 
was in place. So when we read about the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified and that veil, that curtain was split in two, not a rip, not a tear, but entirely top to bottom, it opened up that area and it removed that barrier that existed. It's a powerful thought, a powerful lesson that the barrier is removed. In addition to that, not just that that barrier that, that kept people from and even kept the high priest from the Holy of Holies. Secondly, what does it mean for us? It means that God was the one who initiated salvation. It's interesting. You read this and, and multiple gospel writers would put it that way. We read it in Matthew 27. At that moment, what moment? When Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, when Jesus Christ died, you say, when was that? The ninth hour. Pastor, what's the ninth hour? Jewish time of reckoning would start at six o'clock in the morning. So the third hour would be three hours after six o'clock. That would be in our time frame, nine o'clock. It said that Jesus hung from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. The ninth hour, three o'clock, the time of the sacrifice. That's when Jesus gave it up. That's when Jesus died at three o'clock. And at that moment, what happened? The veil, the curtain split in two, but top to bottom. It was God who initiated this. This was, this was not some random event that took place. That had hung there for hundreds of years, well over a thousand years. This massive, incredible monstrosity of a veil or of a curtain. High quality craftsmanship. It's not just something that fell apart after a year or two. It's not like there were, there were kind of rips and it just coincidentally happened at the exact moment that Jesus Christ died. At the exact moment salvation is provided, that curtain split top to bottom. These were not individuals. Can you imagine even trying to do this on your own? The place is filled with individuals, filled with priests, Preparing for the afternoon, that three o'clock sacrifice. Can you imagine trying to sneak in our church ladder? I mean, the, the ladder that we have will, will get you up to, you know, 15, 17 feet. Can you imagine trying to sneak something into the temple and get yourself up, oh, I don't know, three or four times higher than that to 60 foot to try to cut or saw or knife your way through. There's no physical possible way anything or anyone could have caused this. There were some natural and supernatural occurrences, earthquake and otherwise, but nothing else in the temple. It's not like the temple was destroyed. It simply was this curtain cut top to bottom. And it points to God. It points to His power, something that only He can do. What you and I could never do. 
You and I could never climb to the top, somehow split this top to bottom and separate it in two. What you and I could never do in the physical, God did. And it's just like that in the spiritual. What you and I could never do, we could never earn our salvation. We can't do enough good works to earn the brownie points to redeem for forgiveness of sins. There's, there's just nothing that we can do on our own. It's God who initiated. It's God who completed. It's God who provided salvation through his son Jesus for you and for me. And we're reminded about that as this temple veil or curtain was split into. Salvation is God's idea. It's not our idea. It's nothing that we've come up with. Scriptures we, we share on a regular basis that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. All that's true. But the gift of God's eternal life. Through what and through who? Christ Jesus our Lord. So this curtain split in two, this, this veil that is torn in two shows salvation is it's provided by, it's initiated by, it's completed by God. Think about curtains, you think about veils. Anybody uh, kind of rack your, your memory here? Many of you have probably seen the, the movie The Wizard of Oz. Classic from decades ago. So no matter what age you are, there's is an opportunity to have seen that, whether you saw the black and white or you saw the, the colorized version. And remember, towards the end, they, they come across, um, what is it, like the, uh, what's he called, the wizard or the, uh, what's the guy called? Huh? The Great Oz. They come and they see he's actually the guy behind the sheet. He's the guy behind the curtain, and, and that curtain kind of falls apart, right? And, and he's doing all these knobs and gizmos and, and making all these noises and sounds, and, and it's making it seem like he's greater than he is. He's trying to rig it up himself. That's the exact opposite of what took place on the cross. As this curtain split in two, it opened up this this actuality, it's God who created and initiated and completed salvation through his son in Jesus Christ. He's an all-powerful, all-loving God. It's not smoke and mirrors. It, it's not some kind of knobs and adjustments and he's trying to make it seem like something. When that curtain split, it revealed the plan of God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. Finally, this morning, it's not just that that barrier has been removed, it's not just that salvation has been initiated or completed for us, but thirdly, it reminds us and teaches us all are welcome. This holy of holies, this most holy place, all are now able to be accessed into that. At, at one particular point, this temple in the courtyard, there were places reserved for women, places reserved for Gentiles, places that Jews could go, places the priests could go, places only the high priests could go to the Holy of Holies. But only on that one day, the Day of Atonement. And as Jesus Christ died on the cross, as that curtain was split in two, 
that barrier was removed, salvation was provided, and it reminds us every single one of us are welcome to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. It's not for one particular group of people or for another particular group of people. Salvation is available. It is provided. If you and I come, we confess and we receive that gift. The opportunity is there to receive salvation. The opportunity is there to enter into God's presence. Again, that curtain, that veil, it it was that barrier. God's presence was to dwell there, the Ark of the Covenant. It's believed his his presence was was there in between the wings of the cherubim on the, the cover. And up until that point, everybody was to keep out. I mean, the high priest, when he ministered and went in, he would have a you know, a bell on to make sure he's still moving. He, he'd have a rope on and, in case you know, if he was not pure, if he was not holy and something happened and, and he died, you don't go in after him. You just pull him out with the rope. Read it in the Old Testament. And so that, that powerful presence of God, you, you came into God's presence and you came with the sacrifice, you came with the blood of the sacrifice and you, you did it in a certain way. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me, the opportunity is we are all able to come into his presence, all able to come and experience that forgiveness of sins. Imagine you bought or received tickets to a a favorite sporting event or a favorite uh, musical concert. Baseball just started up. Many of you are, are baseball fans. Uh, basketball, uh, we're kind of in March Madness and, and tournaments, so there's college basketball. Uh, NBA is, is within a month or two of being finished, and, of course, it's been a few months now for football. So you pick. Pick the sporting event of your preference or pick the concert of your preference. So you show up to the venue for a concert or you show up to this stadium for a game, and you think, man, I would love to meet the quarterback of my favorite team. I would love to meet that star point guard or that power-hitting <coughs> third baseman. I'd love to meet that guitarist or that drummer or that lead singer of the group. So when you show up to the arena or you show up to the stadium, you take a detour and you try to seek out the behind-the-scenes VIP access. You want to find the dressing room So you can hang out with and maybe get an autograph of your star. Or maybe you're you're trying to head to the locker room so you can meet your favorite athlete. How many of you think you would get all the way there? Unchecked, no big deal, without being like wrestled to the ground by security wearing earpieces. You see, people are restricted, right? You've got name tags and name badges and lanyards and and there's protocol. You've got to meet certain requirements to get into certain places. Press and and, uh, columnists and TV and newspaper reporters, they've got certain access, but even they're limited. And you just thinking you can show up and hang out with the person of your choice is far-fetched. But when Christ died upon the cross... And that curtain, that veil was split. The barrier is removed. Salvation and that opportunity of forgiveness is provided of God. And it reminds us all 
can enter. Every single one of us have access now to the Holy of Holies, the throne room of God, the presence of God himself. We're VIPs. As we've accepted Jesus Christ into our heart and into our life, as we've asked him to cleanse and to forgive us, we've got a relationship as a son or a daughter of the king. And we're VIPs. We're able to get into his presence. All are welcome. Hebrews 10.22 writes it this way, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty uh, consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. We can boldly come into His presence. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. We've got access, all are welcome to him. It's not ours because of certain requirements. This is not a pastor's only thing to head into the presence of God. This is not a board member, leader, teacher only thing to be able to be in the presence of God. We have access through his son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.13 says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near. Why or how? By the blood of Christ. Verse 18, for through him we have access to the Father. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. We've got access anytime, all the time. You ever had an an issue, uh, something with a a vehicle, something with a computer, something with a cell phone, some some kind of uh, appliance, and you go hunt down the manual, or you go find something online, and you go find a 1-800 number helpline, and you dial that up, and you listen. You want somebody to help you out? Do you get a human being right off the bat? Chances are good you get a computer. And if you're lucky and you push a number of numbers, maybe you can finally say representative and the computer might direct you to a human. That's only after you've gone through some hoops. But that's only after you've called during the appropriate time that that office is open. Now, some of these places, they they are open later. Some of them are based on uh, maybe California time, which is three hours behind us. And so depending on when you call, sometimes it works. But you just can't call any hour of any day and instantly get a human to handle your issues immediately. And yet because of what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross, his death upon the cross, that forgiveness of sins, that access and openness is provided instantaneously, any time of the day, all day or night. You don't get a recording. You don't have to push one, followed by two, followed by your social security number, followed by the three digits on the back of your credit card, followed by your zip code. You can get right through to the Father. We've got an audience with God himself. Anywhere, anytime, as long as we would like. So this curtain, this veil split in two. It reveals that that barrier has been removed. It reveals that God's initiated and completed the opportunity of salvation for you and I. And it reminds us, all are welcome to receive salvation. All are welcome to enter into 
his presence.